Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday tickets this season. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout and save 15%. Exclusive student discounts also available. It's the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today by special guest Danny Kelly. Danny. What's up? How you doing, man? How's it going? I'm hanging in there. How are you doing? You've been what traveling all over. So I woke up and was was feeling bad to the point that I didn't think I was going to do this podcast. Uh-huh. I called Robert Mays, my esteemed colleague. He is somehow, we, we were not together. Uh, we, were, we were not in the same city. We did not um, uh, catch the same virus but he <laughs> it looks was, it looks he like he was though. significantly worse than i was and so it's it's next man up wow this so is like he, your he, flu game then right this is my flu game i okay. was i was trying i was calling to ask out and then instead <laughs> i got i got danny kelly we have uh, a couple people joining us throughout the show it's, it's gonna yes. be a total team effort danny it's week two of the preseason this is when We're it starts getting, getting real. Obviously, next there. week is the real dress rehearsal, but I don't know. This is kind of exciting. I think the big story so far has been the rookie quarterbacks are pretty good, aren't they? I mean, they're... They looked good. <laughs> I kind of... My, my big overarching theory is that it's easier than ever to play quarterback in the NFL um, in the sense that it's, what, 70% completion percentage on some of these RPOs. Almost shorter passes, con- shorter passes, quicker passes, and most teams are able to scheme guys to the point that you can look at a competent quarterback. And the byproduct of that, Danny, is that it's really fun to just anoint all of these young passers <laughs> as the greatest player in the history yeah. of the world. Because maybe like three years ago, you'd see these guys like, oh, geez, you're watching Bortles in preseason, and you're like, oh, here we go again <laughs> with these young quarterbacks. And now it's just like, oh my God, Josh Rosen. This is Even amazing. Josh Allen looked pretty Josh good. Allen, I, we're, we're sifting <laughs> through Josh Allen highlights here. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Um, it's 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 a good time to be an NFL fan. This is such a fun preseason because, as I said, a lot of this time, a lot of seasons were just sifting through crap at this point. Now we're yeah. just seeing Josh Allen. Well, just think Josh, about what happens throws. to. I mean, obviously, there's going to be guys retiring pretty soon, but if these like three or four or even like five of these guys all pan out as pretty good quarterbacks, think about the impact that'll make on the league. Well, and and and. I think the coaches have a lot to do with that. I think that, yeah. you know, Sean McVay saved what looked like a maybe a pretty bad situation in Los Angeles with with Goff. Oh, yeah. Goff looked like he was a for sure bust. I mean, he had one of the worst seasons ever. For, His rookie year. It was awful. Either it was the either Goff had statistically the worst rookie year in history or he was only better than Andrew Walter. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't okay. even know. I don't you even don't, remember who that is. Andrew Walter? He no. uh, he 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 played for the Raiders. He played for uh, Arizona State too. Okay, okay. I think he's he's running for Congress or something now. <laughs> I don't well, even remember not, this. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, I think I read that. Goff. He lost. He didn't even win the primary. He lost the 2014 Republican primary. What a bust in Arizona. Oh man! Wow. Yeah. So that's that's all you need to know about Andrew Walter. But okay. I think the young coaches who were able to again scheme 
these guys into competent quarterbacks. I think they have a lot to do with it. I think modern offenses do. And oddly enough, that's where we want to start today because at The Ringer, we're doing the week of days. And essentially what that is, is every single day we're doing a different topic. And mm-hmm. what we're doing on the day we're recording this is college offense day. Because yep. I don't think there's been a time in the history of football, pro football, where the college game has been more accepted. And the way I keep hearing it, I wrote about the Wildcat last week. There were a essentially- Great article, by the way. Thank you. There were essentially two, three, maybe four spheres of coaching influence where you ran a certain playbook. You were the Bill Walsh, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, John Gruden, that, that sort of that sort of wave. Or it was the Ron Earhart, you know, Bill Parcell's wing. Uh, Mike Shanahan had a wing. Mm-hmm. And part of that, was that there just wasn't a lot of offensive creativity that got worked in. This was the 90s. This was the 2000s. With the Wildcat stuff, yeah. it was it was groundbreaking because nobody was looking back into college and taking those schemes. And now it happens. Look at the Philly special, Danny. That won <laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl. I love that. That won the Super Bowl, and that was a high school and a college play. Yeah. And I, I just think that you cannot tell the story of the 2018 or 2017 NFL season without talking about college offense. You wrote an article about today, what is the college offense, especially yeah. at the pro game. Danny, what sticks out to you when, you when you think about the college offense at the NFL level right now? Yeah, so that was kind of the, the goal of the article and, and kind of the way that I looked at it was everybody says the college offense has invaded the NFL. Yeah. And in the old days, or not even in the old days, not, not that long ago, that was kind of a derogatory term, like oh, it's the you know you hear announcers during a game, oh the college That's offense, a college is not game. In the Wildcat story, by the way, there was an anecdote where that I got that Mike Vrabel was yelling, "Play real football at the Dolphins." <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. Yeah, that's hilarious. And so um, I kind of looked at it from that angle, like what actually is the college offense, and mm-hmm. and and it kind of occurred to me that nowadays, you know, it's almost it's switched. It's now becoming a label that's attached to kind of innovative coaches and yeah. forward thinking coaches and, and organizations like the Eagles. And um, I think it's kind of, it, it fits perfectly in the fact that, you know, Chip Kelly, he flamed out the NFL, but his fingerprints were all over the Eagles yep. in terms of their offense. Obviously Doug Peterson Said tweaked everything to make this it work a little Ch- bit better. This is and, the and, NFL and Chip it. Kelly dream. But what's that? This is the NFL Chip Kelly dreamed of. <laughs> I know exactly. Yep. And so I thought it was really interesting that, you know, the, the college game has it, what feels like a firm foothold in the NFL. And, and that's been happening for a while. Like shotgun is nothing new. Three receiver sets are nothing new. Um, even the jet sweep and stuff, you know, the, the orbit motion part of the sap, it's not necessarily new, but it, it feels like it's becoming more, you know, woven into the fabric of NFL schemes. And so I kind of wanted to just talk about, you know, what, like I guess the college essence of you know the college offense essence mm-hmm. and I talked to Chris Brown uh, editor over at Smart Football really really smart guy he said something that I thought was really interesting he said basically the NFL's rediscovering the beauty of the fake Ooh. and I think it's kind of one of those things that you know over the past 15 years and he, he kind of laid this out the NFL turned into a matchup league where yep. you're motioning a little bit before the snap to try and get defenses to go into these simple checks and then you find that matchup that you want and then you exploit it right you like you find the the weak link in a defense and then you exploit it and so the nfl kind of turned into you know what it is what it was five ten years ago which is a, a matchup league yep. and teams stopped 
basically faking quite as much. It was like you have, you know, some teams will do you know play action. I think last year the highest amount of play action percent on passing plays was thirty percent by the Rams. So like one third of the time, um, and that was the that was the most. And so teams were kind of getting away from just the concept of you know the fake. Where is the ball? And with a lot of the jet sweep and, and backfield motion that we saw both with the Rams mm-hmm. and the Chiefs and a couple other teams do it. Obviously, the Patriots do it a little bit too. Um, it kind of just puts defenders in this bind where you know they don't know what to read because they're taught to read offensive linemen. And, and if they see a running or a receiver going across the other way, then they just don't know exactly what to read. It makes them hesitate. And then and that can break, that can spring a guy for a big gain. It's a one has one moment of hesitation can often be enough in the NFL. And so I think that was a really, really interesting point. Um, you know, the option game is making its way into the NFL at yep. it, it, what seems like a greater rate. Obviously the, the read option isn't as big as it used to be, but it's still used as kind of like a, a, you know, a change up a, uh, looks like a screen pass almost. It's just yeah. a constraint play to keep the defensive ends honest. And so that's still there. The RPO is is bigger now, and mm-hmm. it could be even bigger this season. Robert Mays wrote about that today as well. Sure did. And yeah, so I, I think you know those things is basically deception. Um, you know, getting defenders to hesitate, making them think. I think those are kind of the essence of the college game. Yeah. And what what the NFL is is getting out of the college game now. It's it's not a base offense in the NFL yet. It's probably not going to be for a while, if ever. But. They're using those elements of the college game, I think, with a lot of success. And so it feels like it's really here to stay. So what's interesting to me is I had a talk with a coordinator in the last couple of weeks who said that the college offense, I guess you could call it a craze at this point. It's like anything else, and we don't really realize it. We see the success of the RPOs at the highest level, but a bad, a bad college offense at the NFL level is even worse than anything you could possibly imagine. You know, I mean they're basically right. basically this coordinator was saying okay, the Rams do it well. The Eagles do it really well. They run the the RPO game, the quick game stuff. The Chiefs do it really well. But if you can't do that, if you don't have a quarterback who's capable of making quick reads, quick hands, that stuff can be a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited is the wrong word for it. But I'm really intrigued to see which teams say, and it is a little bit like the Wildcat. Remember in like 2009, 2010, where all of these teams were like, we're going to run our own Wildcat. And we're going to draft yeah. a, a Wildcat quarterback. Yeah, and then they would, the guy would just fumble in the backfield, and then yeah. that would be the only thing they do. I think you're going to see a lot of really bad imitations of, of the RPO quick game stuff that I'm really, yeah. really, really intrigued by. Danny, when you were doing this story, who, which coaches around the league jumped out to you as the actual innovators? Well, I think McVay is kind of at the very front, you know, yeah. obviously Andy Reid and his, um, you know, his tree is really interesting. I think it'll be, it'll be fun to see what Frank Reich does. Uh, not he's obviously coming from Philly, but then obviously, uh, Matt Nagy yep. is on the Andy Reid tree as well. I think it'll just be really interesting to see what, what those guys do with their new team. So is Chicago going to be a Chiefs style offense it is, are the Colts going to kind of adapt and go with that hybrid style scheme that the Eagles ran last, last year? And so right. I'm really wondering what's going on with those guys. But to me, Sean McVay is is one of the more interesting guys. They didn't run a lot of RPOs last year. They were more reliant on 
their their way of doing misdirection and you know just deceit was uh, play action and and the backfield motion. I think it worked really really well. So it doesn't always have to be read stuff. And I think you're right because the read or the run pass option. I think it's going to have to evolve. That was the other thing that I kind of learned when I was researching this article was that you know there's there's ways that teams can um, you know combat the RPO that it'll make it kind of a fun chess match to watch this year. Um, obviously, it's a fast, it's a quick passing game. So if if teams take away the uh, the the first option, the first pass, and it, it could really put the quarterback in a tough spot because you're run blocking, and so you can open up your quarterback to a big hit if he doesn't have that first quick pass. And so you know, there's things that defenses can do. Obviously, they're gonna teams are gonna spend the whole summer. Yeah, you know that, that that's interesting because in the in the wildcat reporting I did when it started to change, Houston Nutt, who obviously was the head coach of Arkansas when Darren McFadden, and Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis ran the wildcat <clears throat> against LSU. When when that happened, the next year, every NFL scout who came through at that point it was Oxford, Mississippi, because he switched schools. Everyone who came through to visit Houston Nutt said, "Hey, by the way, like we got this assignment. We're trying to stop the wildcat." And that's going to happen now yeah. with the RPO stuff. Is they're going to meet up with guys like Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma and you know guys who are true innovators at the college level, and they're going to figure out just different schemes. I mean, with the Wildcat, and obviously the, the RPO is extremely effective. It is not a gimmick-type play like the Wildcat right. was. Right. But what I will say is that all it took to blow up the Wildcat, which a handful of teams absolutely could not stop, was just blitzing cornerbacks and bringing pressure from the outside. And mm. that turned out to be a very, very simple way to, to, to blow it up. And I feel like, you know, the, the RPO is not going to have a simple sort of magic bullet like that. But I do think once teams start delving into it, they have the athletes, they will start to figure it out. And that's when kind of the great middle of the NFL who just run this because they can, that's when they stop using it. Will Sean right. McVay ever abandon it? No, because he's good at it. Will Doug Peterson ever abandon it? No, because he's good at it. But, uh, you know, there are kind of, the the average team is going to stop running an RPO once NFL defenses figure out how to stop it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same deal with the read option too. I mean, the read option is still around. P- teams still run it and and it's, still effective it's not as crazy effective as it used to be because teams and this is what chris brown said and i think it was really it just explained kind of like the what the rpo is going to go to through also and and he said team it, teams didn't figure it out they just got better at defending it like the techniques just got better and that's going to happen at the nfl level it's going to happen at any level teams are going to learn you know, techniques for kind of making it just a little bit less effective. And so, you know, and then the chess match goes on because offenses are going to add wrinkles to what they're doing. And then the defense is going to make, you know, try to figure out how to do that. And that's just, I think, the beauty of football in general, just that, you know, like you said, the RPO isn't this magic bullet and it's going to make everyone good all of a sudden. But it's a, it's a good play, a sound play that that makes sense and, and puts defensive players in a bind. And I think it's still going to be effective. It's just it's just not going to be as crazy easy, I think, for everyone to do it as maybe some people expect. Let's take a quick break. 
This NFL season, be your GM. Be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent this offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. Upgrades like easier scoring, new trophies, and a buttery smooth app experience. So when you come to play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. But to get in on the wins, you have to get in on the season. Yahoo Fantasy is also the only app where you can manage all of your season-long and daily fantasy teams in one place. Create or join a league now at yahoo.com slash the ringer fantasy football. For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home of NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every game live every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans, DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts also available. Okay, switching gears, we're going to go through some headlines because this is the time of year where things slip through the crack. Danny, you mm-hmm. and I were just talking off air about some of the news items around the league and, and both of us had sort of missed really big things. And there's something I'm really excited about and I <laughs> wanted to talk to you about it. And right. it's the simmering Greg Williams-Todd Haley feud. Now, there's a couple of <laughs> okay, things, what Danny. First of all, these are two of our most, let's say, uh, heated members of the coaching fraternity. And they're in the same place in Cleveland. And you sort of knew something like this was going to happen. And the fact that it has 100% just lived up to expectations makes you so happy. So yesterday, there's Mm -hmm. a tweet from multiple beat writers. Read this from Jimmy Watkins here. Todd Haley, upset with the defense getting too close to Baker Mayfield, Good teams don't touch the effing quarterback. <laughs> okay. Greg Williams, block them then. Oh my God. Block them then, Danny. There's some really obvious Greg Williams jokes here. Oh. Um, I'm going to refrain yes. from. To go ahead, Danny. <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, it's just, it's hard to believe a guy like Greg Williams would want to hit. I can't the believe it. I yeah, cannot. This is so uncharacteristic shocking. from Greg Williams. <laughs> what did you? Okay, so backing up a little bit, did you catch the first episode of Hard Knocks? I watched bits I watched, and pieces I watched of it. High, I was on the road, so I watched sort of the highlights of it. Yeah, Jarvis Landry. See, how would Jarvis Landry react to everybody at the <laughs> Ringer NFL team just trying to beg out of doing a podcast because we're a little bit tired? <laughs> yeah, who, would, who are we going to get to do that? speech at the ringer.com uh i mean who's, who's given that speech you are you're the only healthy member of the staff right now <laughs> i'm powering through guys um, um yeah no i mean it, it's the brown when i was in cleveland the browns are such a funny group of people miles garrett is funny jarvis landry is funny i've spent time with jarvis landry jarvis landry wears a headband because he likes to pretend he's rambo on the field he told me that one time <laughs> that's why that's sort of all you need to know <laughs> He's intense. I didn't uh, know that about him as much. I di- I did. He's all. He, he's just an interesting. He's an interesting guy. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, adding Des Bryant to that mix. Smart oh, or man. not smart? I mean, it doesn't seem like the best move to me. I think adding because when you watch, and this is actually kind of a bigger question I had for you. Like when you watch the Brown, like when you watch Hard Knocks, doesn't it just kind of feel like they have no leadership? I mean, obviously that that speech was a big part of episode one or whatever, but 
you know, um, it just didn't really feel like Hugh Jackson had a control on the whole situation. And it was just like, I don't know, man, it just felt like they were all just kind of going along. I, that, that was kind of just, I think, the vibe I got from the show. But obviously, you can, the, the show can kind of paint a picture, but I don't know. Bringing Des Bryant into what doesn't feel like a super stable situation, I don't know if that's the, the smartest thing. Yeah, that that's, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that there's there's so many weird stories coming out of Dallas now. I don't even know. I mean, the whole weird Jason Witten, um, Des Bryant leadership thing, it's just, it's one of those rare things where it, it just, I, I truly have no idea what the opinion is on that one. I mean, there <laughs> right. was such a weird sort of um, kind of mini blow up early in camp where, where a radio station misquoted Stephen Jones about Des Bryant's leadership, but he was also talking about Jason Witten's leadership and that that led to Des exploding. And so I just, that is that is such a weird situation. And so Des Bryant in Cleveland, why not? I mean, just give him a look. You're not going to give him a ton of guaranteed money. So right. I think generally it's it's if it's a low cost flyer, I think you bring him in. I think they know their 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 guys. I think that that receiving core has a chance to be fun. I think that there's enough good personalities and and I do think there's enough leadership in that locker room to where Dez can kind of slot in and and it will be it will be okay. I, I'm not I'm not worried about a, a combustible locker room in Cleveland with hmm. with, with Des Bryant. Um all right. How about, speaking of combustible locker rooms, <laughs> Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey suspended one week. Dante Fowler also suspended one week for violating team rules. Jalen Ramsey went after a reporter for basically putting a practice video of a fight on Twitter, which is pretty standard yeah. fair. Is that um, that's that's not legal? What does he think it's not legal? Or no, he just, thought I, he it just was said, like, "Do you want a war?" <laughs> didn't he block? Didn't he block all the beat writers after that too? He did. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I, I think <laughs> that there's. I, I that's that's a very strange situation. I think there's a fine line. Jalen Ramsey's walking between being intense and being a, a sticking up for a teammate because Fowler is, is the guy he was sticking up for in this situation. Mm. I think that if they think they need to suspend him for one week, I think there's probably some lessons Jalen Ramsey needs to be learned. Having said that, you don't want Jalen Ramsey to change too much because he's no. his intensity is as important as as anything to his game. So I'm 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 still firmly on team Jalen Ramsey, but in this yeah. one, I'm also firmly on team all local media. So everyone's <laughs> a loser here. All right, bring in Ryan O'Hanlon. I wrote What's a sto- I wrote a story about Josh Norman today. And I thought I got good stuff on quarterback pay, Donald Trump, all this stuff. But then it turned out I missed the real Josh Norman story, which is that he loves Sam Darnold. <laughs> so I think this sort of points to a flaw in our approach to covering football this is that summer. Don't, I ask questions yeah, that don't involve Sam Darnold. You've been asking a lot of um, <laughs> high-profile players their thoughts about the NFL, and yeah. you should just be asking them questions about Sam Darnold. So Danny and I were talking at the beginning of this about just the hype around every rookie quarterback, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Everyone looks like a world beater. So you are a Jets fan. If the, if the listener does not know, Unfortunately. you are a Sam Darnold fan, uh, as is everybody here at the Ringer.com. Yeah, that's a, those are concentric how circles. Do you, how do you view sort of the rookie phenomenon right now in in terms of are you buying even if everyone looks good are you still as excited as you would be normally about this type of prospect being on your team 
with with the Jets, it's always just everything about the team is so loud and mm-hmm. so overly like way more important seems way more important than it actually is because at the end of the day, it's the fucking Jets that we're talking yep. about. And to me, it's like I'm seeing all of these other guys. I at least you know seeing clips of their highlights and. Darnold just looks better than all of them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> In what areas does he look better, Ryan? So I was watching this video that oh, wow. uh, Dan Orlovsky okay. did this breakdown um, mm. to sort of show uh, Sam Darnold's you know, advanced thought process on the field. Yeah. And the video just ends with him completing a five-yard pass. <laughs> <laughs> so the, his five-yard passes are, are masterpieces. I think is where we're at. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love this so much. Was it a good five-yard pass? Uh, he kind of like avoided getting sacked and hit a guy in the middle of the field. And uh, like it w- wasn't for a first down or anything. Might have a- been on. Th- it might have been on like third and eight. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that's amazing about Darnold is that so he's from Southern California. He maybe from afar, maybe you know, he's got the hair. He's got mm-hmm. this, the the talking about which hair product he uses. He seems cool from afar, mm-hmm. and then you get closer, and he's just not cool at all. No. And he actually is more in line with the typical NFL star quarterback, which is just kind of a dork. Because <laughs> we we've talked about this a lot, especially off air, which is that there are not a lot of cool starting NFL quarterbacks who are who are successful. Yeah, like I don't like Mark Sanchez was kind of right, cool. That's that's what I'm getting at. Mark <laughs> Sanchez that was, that was cool. Problem. Matt, li- Matt Liner was cool. Yeah, Russell Wilson not cool, right, Danny? But good at football. Uh, yeah. Carson Palmer not not that cool. Carson Wentz. Manning. Carson Wentz not that cool. Cade Manning not cool. Peyton Manning, Tom, cool. Tom Brady. Tom, okay, Tom Brady has has <laughs> has engineered himself into a cool aura, but I don't think he is in and of himself cool. Is Baker Mayfield too cool? That's, Ooh, that's see. Here's the question. thing, and that's that's the thing with a lot of these young guys. Maybe they break the mold in the same way, Danny, that the college offenses. <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah. five ten years ago, you wouldn't be able to run this stuff. Now you can. Maybe Baker Mayfield, Josh Rose, and those guys are breaking barriers as far as um, as far as cool quarterbacks succeeding. <laughs> you guys want to know one thing about Baker Mayfield? What's that? He's two years older than Sam Darnold. Wow, the age thing is definitely <laughs> interesting. Okay, here, do you want to hear my serious take on the quarterback thing, though? Yes. So I thought, and, and O'Hanlon will, will vouch for this. I was pro Sam Darnold before the draft, like he was my top quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield looked better in the first preseason game, which is all we have to judge it on so far. And it's very important, but um, I think Mayfield looked more advanced. Like he, his footwork was really good. Like he was really balanced. He went, he like stepped up into the pocket really well and, and was looking down the field really well, kept his eyes downfield, all that stuff. I think Darnold looked sloppier but at the same time, if he gets that stuff cleaned up, like he could be really good. That's just, that's kind of, I think that's sort of the same scouting report as what we saw pre pre draft with him. Like he has all the tools and all that, but like you can definitely see that he was throwing off balance a little bit. He just kind of looked a little bit sloppy with his mechanics, but he still played really well. So the bottom line, what I'm trying to get at with Darnold is he's still got so much upside. He's only 20. Is he 21 or 20? 21. The good thing about having a guy with upside is 
you have an elite coaching staff with just an insanely good track <laughs> record to coach them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're entrusting them to, you know, just mold him into this perfect th- like quarterback. And it's, it's just going perfectly so far. Wow. Where, do, where does Teddy Bridgewater fall in yeah, all this Yeah, that was my question. How, how would you, if you put on your Mike McCagnan cap, what do you do with the quarterback situation, Ryan? Can you play two quarterbacks at once? You you can. Like reverse wildcat? Well, yeah, no, no. Well, the, the <laughs> Ravens have put Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco on the field at the same time. I mean... Maybe you do that, but wait, do you do Teddy or do you do McCown? <laughs> McCown's pro- actually the most athletic of do you the do, three. Do you do McCown, <laughs> yeah, McCown yeah, and the Darnold? <laughs> the 40-year-old guy is the most athletic. I think all three. Just line them up in a line. You don't know who they're going to hike it to. I mean, you're sacrificing two players, I guess, once the play starts. Sacrificing like three players. Well, I mean, could, how could how you, would you do? I, you could you could do. I mean, you have three quarterbacks in the backfield. I mean, there, there is such thing. You know, you have the split T or whatever. Yeah. Um. So you could do that, but then do you have wide receivers, tight ends? Do you have a running back? You can't have. Couldn't have a running back back there. You you probably. I don't know if. Uh, Robbie Anderson and Terrell Pryor are good enough to just stand out there as your only two receivers. Did you see Terrell Pryor get owned today at practice? (laughs) Danny, did you see this? Which time? By the coach? No, no, the DJ Swearinger thing. I heard about it. Swearinger just sort of won a rep in practice and just acted like he had just knocked, batted down, fourth down pass in the Super Bowl. (laughs) I just sort of. Even with Tumbo finger wagging? Yeah, just sort of celebrated and Pryor, (laughs) and he started talking trash, and Pryor got all. You know, as he should have, was kind of taken aback by the whole thing. I think that the joint practices are great because it reveals exactly what, um, which players take practice way too seriously. And those are the <laughs> only guys I care about. You always hear these things about Kirk Cousins, about how he just practice like practices. Excuse me, celebrates in practice like he just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like those. <laughs> that that's that's exactly it. When we talk about corny quarterbacks mm-hmm. and like kind of dorky quarterbacks, the guys who like throw a thirty-yard pass in in practice and act like it is the greatest thing in the world. That that's what it takes to be a truly great quarterback. Do you guys? Is there on a you know slightly more realistic future path? Like, what kind of value does someone like Teddy Bridgewater have in a trade, especially given the, like, sort of prevailing wisdom that there are a lot of average quarterbacks everywhere now? Someone brought it up to me. So everybody in the NFL, first of all, Matthew Barry was on Bill Simmons' podcast the other day. He said there's 22 good quarterbacks in the NFL. That doesn't bode well. And that's probably true. That doesn't bode well for, for someone like Teddy Bridgewater and you go to different camps, and everybody thinks their backup is going to be trade bait. Everybody. <laughs> and this yeah. has been true of the last five years. I remember one year I was at a Titans game, Titans preseason game. People were like, oh, man, teams are going to start trading for Zach Mettenberger. I knew you were, yeah, <laughs> I and then remember he, that. he was just out of football. I totally remember that. Do yeah. you remember the Zach Mettenberger hype? Oh, yeah. That was a that was a fun epic era. I, so this is not this is this has nothing to do with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just saying that the game of musical chairs that happens the next couple of weeks, it's it's a lot of it's luck. Unless a, you have Bradford, Sam Bradford. Unless you have <laughs> Sam Bradford, but they have Josh Rosen. Yeah. I was just looking at the at the league. Who who's gonna trade for him though? What right. team if there's twenty two Bridgewater? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Giants. I'm saying the <laughs> Patriots. Um no, I just don't know. I it, it's a lot of it is timing and luck 
And mm-hmm. if 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 a coach really believes in you, because I just think there's going to be five, six, seven guys like Bridgewater who might be available last week of the season. And, you know, they, also the guys who could beat out mm-hmm. by the rookies. It looks like Tyrod Taylor is probably going to start. Is Sam Bradford going to start in Arizona? I I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, is AJ, is AJ McCarron going to get shipped out of town for a seventh round pick at the end of camp? I don't know. In favor of Nate Peterman. In favor of Nate Peterman. No, <laughs> Josh Allen makes it. I mean, I just the the it's going to be a very odd last week of of the season. Someone's going to have to get hurt, I think, for Bridgewater to have any value or to have like real value. Given that this is football, I guess that's probably a, a likely event. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The New York Jets play in the AFC East. Mm-hmm. Very strange division this year because no one knows what the hell is going on in Buffalo. <laughs> I'm what Danny. I can't ha- Danny quickly handicap that quarterback year. race. I, okay, so is it a complete disaster if Nathan Peterman starts Week One? <laughs> you're you're secret AJ McCarron stan, aren't you? No, I mean I thought <laughs> I, he I was. was. <laughs> I, think I used to two. be. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. O'Hanlon was my editor. Back in 2016, and I wrote one nice paragraph about AJ McCarron. <laughs> and every time anyone brings up McCarron, he just like says, "Oh yeah, Danny loves him." <laughs> I, I actually I was driving a type of McCarron hype train. It wasn't, it wasn't. I wasn't driving a bandwagon, but it was definitely <laughs> bandwagon adjacent. And. I felt like maybe there were a couple teams. I'd floated the idea that maybe the Jaguars could sign him and just push Bortles. I'm not saying McCarron would beat Bortles out. I'm just saying you need a veteran like that, and you shouldn't just go into the season with Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles. That was my idea. That was before A.J. McCarron failed to distance himself in a quarterback competition (laughs) with Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen. And the the way it's been phrased to me from people in Buffalo and from being in practice is that Everyone there is making the same mistakes quarterback-wise, but Josh Allen just making better throws on the high end. And mm. that's why Allen has a slight edge if he, if he has one, if it's not dead even, because Allen can make these incredible throws, as we've seen, and it's not like anybody's playing flawless mistake-free football in practice. I mean, that's... The big Josh Allen highlight of this preseason was when he completed like a 70-yard pass down the left sideline and the guy was just six yards out of bounds when he caught it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great, I will say, and this originated in Buffalo and now it's everywhere, the genre of just training camp descriptions of bad passes. <laughs> <laughs> the best bad pass. The Because be- it's always, was it... Uh, the best Car- incompletion. Cardell Jones hit the hospitality tent. <laughs> was that, was that, the, that was the big one. I and feel like... J- Josh Allen. I mean, the, the classic of, of the genre is Christian Hackenberg hitting the media on two passes. <laughs> <laughs> with the Jets. That's why Jets beat reporters are so high on Darnold. Not that, like, they've never seen a good quarterback before, but they're... It's, this is the first preseason where they're not dodging okay. spirals. <laughs> they're not so, in guys, danger. Guys, I, I want to tell this story quickly. So I I looked at a practice report. like This is like two years ago. And it said that he hit the media twice. Okay. And then I screen grabbed it. And I was like, look at this shit. And it, it kind of <laughs> goes viral a little bit. And then the, the guy who wrote it was like, guys, 
guys, like, don't take this out of context. Like, he had an up and down practice, but like, it wasn't so bad. He hit the media. <laughs> <laughs> He Where played the media it was in harm's situated. way because Christian Hackenberg <laughs> can't throw an accurate pass. I feel like all nuance, I'm all for nuance. I'm sorry, it's out the window if you do it twice. Twice. No, the, the Jets actually let their media members play wide receiver at practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. What, what is a- the best? What's the best case scenario for the Bills this year? Allen starts or Allen sits? Let him start. Who cares? Well, it's best case scenario for him to start if it like that is a sign that he's doing something well. But it seems like we're saying that it's a sign that the rest of the quarterbacks are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So and then you have Miami, which I'm not even I have no Who idea. Who knows? What First Miami's of all, doing. and I, I was reading some stuff about free agency this year. I don't think we talked about it enough. The Dolphins cut their best player. For, yeah, for, yeah. For a little to no reason. <laughs> It's never a good sign when like a team that's really aggressively trying to win the Super Bowl just immediately picks up the guy that you got rid of, <laughs> right? If, if, let me tell you something. If if there's a guy who goes from your team to another team and that causes that that causes that team to be dubbed a super team, you probably shouldn't have gotten rid of that guy. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> because it's like a fair. super team when like Bosh and Wade and LeBron get together, right? But those teams, th- those guys weren't renounced by their other teams. It's not like the Raptors were like, we'll see you, Chris. Let's take a quick break. Quick break to talk about our friends at FanDuel with more features for everyday players and more ways to win than ever before. Like FanDuel's new tool, Guru, which helps you make smarter picks so you can feel more confident going into game day. Just start by picking any player. If you pick a QB, Guru will use tested DFS strategies to recommend the best wide receivers and tight ends to pair with them. Or opt for the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook app. This is the future of sports betting. It's currently only available in New Jersey, but if you're passing through Newark, you can start making your picks as soon as you hit the ground. Not to mention, these guys tell me that live betting is coming sooner than you think. And this season, FanDuel has a free weekly pick'em contest, as well as the biggest ever free NFL Survivor League with $250,000 up for grabs. New players try FanDuel today and get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit. Just sign up and use promo code THERINGER. Who's even the best player on the Dolphins now? So they lost Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Cameron they lost Indominus. It's not Cameron. Still? Cameron Wake. <laughs> He's old. Cameron Wake has been the best. Has been the best player on the Dolphins since 2009. Um, I was going down. So Frank I was going Gore down the roster on the Dolphins. Is it going to be like? Are we? Is Maze from his deathbed going to call in and say it's like Josh Sitton or something? <laughs> yes. Yes. Is it Josh Sitton? <laughs> I think it's going to be Xavier Howard. Or, oh yeah. Or Minka Fitzpatrick, which it's, would be great. It's Minka Fitzpatrick. I, it might, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously... Guys, it's Brock Osweiler. It's Brock Osweiler. I mean, so you have Ken... <laughs> oh, I'm, he's on that team? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, Bryce Petty's on this team. <sighs> wow, what a QB Is room wow. they've got. <laughs> um, I'm not seeing a lot of talent, guys. Robert Quinn is on this team. William Hayes, who doesn't believe in... If I'm not mistaken, William dinosaurs. Hayes does not believe in dinosaurs, but does believe in mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> is that right and then he Sounds also right. if I'm not mistaken 
I believe he's got some moon landing conspiracies. But you know who else has some moon landing conspiracies? <laughs> Bill Simmons, the head of The Ringer, <laughs> who spoke true. about this on Larry Wilmore's pod the other day. So we're definitely not impugning specifically moon landing No, that's a positive. It's a positive. It's a positive here. Um, Kevin, are you a Dolphins fan? No. <laughs> what, who was your team growing Wait, up? Wait, how about Danny Amendola? Oh, I forgot about that. I love so, this. I think the Dolphins have a good secondary. I think they could be pretty good. Who I was looking at I was looking at the roster. All their best players are old guys or very, very young guys. They so, got Amendola <laughs> sitting, Gore, Cameron Wake, so Rashad just, Jones. Just no one in their prime. Right. You know who's good? <laughs> good Albert good Wilson is good and he's on the team. I think they're I think their secondary could be good. Just you know. Just to be full disclosure here, I think their their secondary could be good. Who's the second best team in the AFC East? <sighs> That's a great question. Patriots. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh man! That's a when, really when good is, question. When, I, is it, it could be the Dolphins. Ryan, when is the passing of the torch game? Is it the first Patriots game or the second with Darnold? <laughs> I think the first game is kind of like a scrappy win, and then the second game is just like a fifty-two to nothing demol- when demolition. I, when I was reporting the uh, the Matt Castle two thousand eight season story, Castle tells the story about Brett Favre coming up to him after the week two game where they beat the Jets, and and uh, and Castle's like, "I'll never forget Brett Favre coming up to me, congratulating me, and like, you know, saying that was awesome." And I think. That's the worst passing of the torch I've ever heard. Just Jets era Brett Favre, just just anointing Matt Castle. It's like this is this is good. Also, the entire the, the thing about that 2008 season in reporting both the Wildcat and the and the Matt Castle story is that everybody seems to have a Brett Favre congratulating them story, and to the point that I think maybe Brett Favre spent the entire 2008 season congratulating opponents. <laughs> that sounds about right given, yeah. given how it ended up I, I just think I think that was his shtick later in life was he was just like this is this is this is great I love this <laughs> he just gets plastered by by a touchdown and then he just comes out and says that was awesome <laughs> anyway okay uh, last AFC East thing Ryan Tannehill threw a rookie out of the huddle for a missed assignment mm-hmm. That's he what- missed the he missed the pass block I'm writing about that this week What's that running, now? Well, you're running, running back, right, you're right, running you're right, back you're right, you're right. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you <laughs> I were going say. down to get to the bottom of this. Are we wow. Finns Nation now? Is that the <laughs> name of our website? Danny Kelly, literally the longest flight possible in North in, in, uh, in America, <laughs> Seattle to Miami, so we can get to the bottom of this of of, of Tannehill throwing a Kalen Balage. Is it Kalen Balage or Kalen Balage, Danny? You you've done a lot of research on this, so you would know. I think it's Balage. Clean sack by Charles Harris. Isn't that what yeah. you, isn't that what we were just saying we want from our quarterbacks taking it way too seriously? This is great. This is I am willing to put the Dolphins ahead of the Bills now. <laughs> <laughs> the race to six wins is on. <laughs> Ryan O'Hanlon, Danny Kelly, this has been great. It's been next man up. Maze is somewhere sick. I'm sick. Danny Kelly, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Okay. I'm coming down to L.A. So I sort of feel like some- just calling around, especially this afternoon when we were trying to figure out who was going to do this podcast, I felt like kind of the vibes of the Simpsons softball episode where everyone just had their own misfortune. 
I personally kind of feel like Andy Dalton when he made the Pro Bowl that one year after like 75 <laughs> other people. Yeah. <laughs> we asked a lot out. of people before yeah. we got to you. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a wild. A lot of people. Okay, that's all we got for today. As always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network.